exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to Impact Exposure. Exposure is 88.9 The Impact's one-hour forum discussing relevant issues affecting the MSU community. And now, tonight's Exposure. Good evening. You are tuned to Impact Exposure. I'm your host, Emily Fox. Tonight on Exposure, I'll be talking with Kevin Pritchard, an MSU grad who founded the website MyBandStock.com, which allows fans the opportunity to buy stock in a band. Now, that's a website that follows Impact's motto, The Future of Music. Also, MSU business hospitality students will come in to talk about their upcoming event, Vegas Night, in which Breslin Center will transform into a mini Las Vegas this Friday. And have you ever been on a road trip with your family or friends and stopped the car to take a picture in front of a national landmark or in front of a great giant dinosaur made of roses or in front of the hell sign in hell, Michigan? Well, Martha Bloomfield from the Michigan Historical Museum will be here to talk about the museum's latest exhibit dedicated to those road trip memories. The exhibit is called Michigan's Roadside Attractions. But first... In celebration of last week's inauguration, Impact's news director, John Simpkins, put together a special report for you. Here it is. As part of Impact News coverage of the inauguration on January 20, 2009, I spoke with two Michigan State University students via phone. I began by asking senior Megan Kurzawa what brought her to Washington, D.C. Um, I actually work for a presidential classroom. It's a nonprofit civic education program based out of D.C., so I am with a group of alumni, and we are here. They're all adults that traveled from all over the country to be here. Wonderful. Um, so how have the intervening days been as a student in D.C.? Do you have any highlights uh, that you'd like to share? Um, the highlight, I would say, was yesterday when we got a surprise guest appearance with Bill Clinton. He showed up at um, one of our conferences at Georgetown University, and he spoke to the group for a good hour answered questions from some of the high school students as well. We talked a lot about the history of recent presidents and their administrations. Um, he wanted to talk about uh, advice for Obama a little bit and what his thoughts are on the current election. 
and also he just wanted to give some advice to young people on how he thought they could succeed. And uh, how has the uh, environment been? How is the security and police presence, uh, the crowds? Uh, what did you do today? Okay, well, police presence has been high all week. They, they said that the numbers of law enforcement and military are higher than the number of troops in Afghanistan right now. Um, so I've seen them on corners all week. Today I felt actually very safe. Um, it took about an hour to walk from Union Station to the mall. They paraded everyone through blockades. They actually changed the security plan from the maps that they provided to people traveling to D.C. So all the routes were different and not what we had planned for. Um, it was very hard to get on the metro from what I heard, so I'm glad we took a bus downtown. And what time did you reach the mall? The mall, I was actually on the mall at 7 a.m. I've been up since 3. Um, we got to Union Station at about 5 a.m. I waited for about an hour because it was pretty cold. And then we got there at about 7, and we were three-quarters of the way back from the Capitol, closer to the Washington Monument. Is there one moment uh, in the past 48 hours or so that has struck you as absolutely unique to your situation? I'm sure there are a ton, but was there one that stood out? Just meeting people from around and just to hear how far they've traveled. Some people are here from Alaska, um, a lot from Puerto Rico. I mean, it just it's, it's been amazing to me, especially talking to the, the foreigners on how our election has stirred up so much interest in, in the world around us. So a variety of voices, and um, I'm sure it's been an incredible experience for you from, from start to finish. It definitely was, John. And then spoke with junior Katie Ozog and asked how she'd weathered a day on the National Mall. I'm good. I'm tired, but I'm still here. Fantastic. So tell me, where are you right at this moment? Oh, right at this moment, I am sitting in a restaurant trying to figure out how to get back to where I'm staying because it's crazy. There are tons of people trying to figure their way out. There are subway stations that are closed. It's just very, it's confusing, but it's, it's, it was worth it. I can only imagine the mayhem. How's your day gone so far? Uh, what's, what's led you to this point in your day? It was a very long day. We got up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Um, we made it to the station by 4, um, took, a, took a metro in. We, I think, I don't even remember anymore what time we got to the actual, we, we got to the mall. And I think that we might have been around 5-ish, maybe. We walked there. We walked through the streets and, like, the under, like the highway exits, basically. It was crazy. It looked like something out of a movie. It was just crazy. Yeah, the television pictures back here were showing uh, something similar, where it's just uh, you guys were part of this massive throng of people that descended upon the mall in a, like a five-hour period. Yeah, it was. It, people just kept coming and coming. It just didn't seem to end. It was, it was just nuts. It was just crazy. And everybody was dressed like ugh, so warmly because it's freezing outside, and we were all there before dawn, so it was even colder. But everyone was in pretty good spirit, so that was good. That's really good news. Um, so far, you've been through the entire ceremony uh, today. It's it's about 3.30 in the afternoon. Uh, what struck you so far uh, about the ceremony itself um, and, and the dynamics from your perspective? Um, some pretty interesting points to me during the ceremony. Uh, I really liked and the whole swearing in was amazing. That was just really cool to see. And it, even though it's really short, it was just indescribable how much that meant and it was just really a great feeling and also it was very interesting to see the crowd's reaction when um they talked about george bush there were some mixed reviews and i think that was kind of interesting because we don't necessarily see that at an inauguration of a new president so 
doesn't it kind of shows that there are still a lot of hard feelings left and people aren't really ready to forgive yet. And and what's your view on uh, Obama's speech uh, in terms of how that either will remedy or won't remedy that situation? I think it was a great. I think the speech was just what people needed because it wasn't too sugary, it wasn't too optimistic, well, not that it wasn't optimi- optimistic, but it wasn't unrealistic, I guess. It was kind of like a pep talk speech, which I thought was perfect, perfect timing, just what people needed. And I think the tone was just right. It wasn't wasn't kind of patronizing, like, oh, you know, you can do it speech. It was, you know, we have to do this together, and I know it's a very bad situation. Like, I'm not going to try to lie to you about that. So I thought it was very realistic, but also uplifting. And and on that note, is there one moment or a unique story from the past 48 hours or so that, that strikes you as, as being a very unique experience uh, with regards to your time there? Um, I think a really cool thing was waiting for the whole ceremony to start because as there's so many people crammed together and it was just really interesting to see kind of like the random acts of kindness and what people were willing to do for each other, like just people trying to help you find the way to the bathroom or just people helping you with directions and people taking, you know, I saw a mother, like, take another child's kids to the bathroom. Like, I thought that was just, it was just really nice. Like, it's just the kind of thing you hope to see in this kind of um, event. Like, you want to see positive things, and I think we definitely saw our share of that. Reporting for Impact Exposure, this is John Simpkins. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. At the football game, Jim shows the telltale signs of being wasted. He starts flexing for the camera. He refers to his muscles as gunboats. He screams, how's this for a halftime show? Jim streaks the field. It's easy to tell if you've had way too many to drive. But what if you've had just one too many to drive? Never underestimate just a few. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Ad Council, and this station. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Prime Time. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Sunday nights, check out Sit or Spin from 8 to 10 p.m., where you can voice your opinion on what new music we play here on the Impact. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. Welcome back to Exposure. I am your host, Emily Fox. Before that, um, you heard John Simpkins, our news director, with a special report um, from the inauguration. Right now, I'm here with Martha Bloomfield from the Michigan Historical Museum to talk about the museum as well as the latest exhibit, Michigan Roadside Attractions. So to start this off, um, what can you tell me about um, the newest exhibit, Michigan Roadside Attractions? Michigan Roadside Attractions is... um set to run from now through September 14th. It features more than 50 roadside attractions that grew up in Michigan when the highway system was expanded from the 1930s to the 1970s. Uh, Many of these attractions still provide fun and excitement for millions of tourists each each year. Uh, You may have seen dinosaurs uh, along the roadside. There are a lot of uh, featured exhibits um, that you'll see on Route 12 just south of here and throughout Michigan. I've actually taken a picture. I, I'm, I'm one to witness that. I was on a road trip, I think, two summers ago um, to a, a lake somewhere in northern Michigan. Saw this humongous dinosaur and another one made out completely out of flowers. 
and uh, or I think fake flowers. But I got out of the car, took a picture. Um, some other ones that I can think about in Michigan are the mystery spot right after you cross the bridge into the UP. Um, there's also and then also listed on a website called RoadsideAmerica.com. Um, some of the other ones listed were, was the world's largest tire in Allen Park, the world's largest cherry pie in Charlevoix, um, and giant statues of Mr. and Mrs. Claus in Christmas, and also we have a town named Hell, um, and we have an upside-down stove-shaped <coughs> restaurant in one of my favorite places in Michigan, Cross Village. Um, so, I, I mean, when I think of Michigan, some of those places come to mind, um, have you ever stopped your car um, on your way somewhere in Michigan to see a roadside attraction? Actually, yes. Uh, we had some Israeli visitors, some very close friends, and they lived in Michigan for a few years, and they came back to visit. So we went up north, uh, stayed in a little cabin just north of uh, the Mackinac Bridge, and we went to the Deer Park, which was pretty tame and friendly for me, but my friend really wanted to go to the mystery spot, and I was very nervous about going in there, and I feel t just terrible because we didn't take them in there. So what do you know about the mystery spot? Not much, because <laughs> uh, I can't tell you firsthand. There's some okay. kind of an optical illusion, I believe, but I don't know for sure. I feel like I'm, I'm giving away the mystery, but from what I hear, everything's just kind of sideways. I don't know how that works, but I remember crossing the bridge, and all you see are these big question marks with mystery spot in huge letters, but that's something that I like to check out. And also, right when you cross the bridge, there's, I think, Michigan's Wax Museum or something like yes. that, which seems kind of odd. But and somewhere along the line, there are places um, about Michigan seashells, Yes, um, but we're a lake state, so... Right. <laughs> I've always wondered about that. Now, how long will the exhibit be open for? Uh, till September 14th of this year. Okay. And uh, where is the Michigan Historical Museum located? We are um, on 702 West Kalamazoo. It's in downtown Lansing behind the Capitol building. Okay. And what else can you find at the Michigan Historical Museum? Well, this exhibit is just the appetizer, I would say, because we have two floors of extensive exhibits from the first peoples of Michigan until the current day. Um, we have all kinds of artifacts from the different eras in history and documents. And um, for example, I guess can I tell you one of my favorite exhibits is actually from the 1950s. But then I'm 57, so that goes back to when I was a kid. <laughs> and there's the pink kitchen and the everything that's nostalgic to me as a child, but other people will find other things depending on their age. Okay. Um, now, how long do the exhibits stay around for? There's some that just stay there forever, because I remember going there like on a field trip maybe in fourth grade, and there, I remember there's um, a place in there where you're kind of like inside a mine, and you can, I think, do like demonstrations of what it's like to be a miner, and um, I think I remember walking in and there's this huge tree that you can see in the middle of the building. Um, and then there's another place where there's kind of like this house, like within the building, and you can look around that house, and it's kind of historical. Yeah, you've got a really good grasp of what we have there. Um, we do have that mine. The second and third floors are our permanent exhibits. We sometimes up upgrade them or as we find new information. The first floor is for the temporary special exhibits that come, such as the roadside attractions, which was put together by our staff. Sometimes they're visiting exhibits. Um, 
They last anywhere from six to nine months on the first floor, just depending on the circumstances, whether they're created by the staff um, or whether they're brought in from other places. So roadside attraction was um, put together by the staff then? Yes. And two of our staff people, they went around the state and gathered all different artifacts. Oh, that's so cool. Um, they also took really cool photographs, like of a Paul Bunyan image. Um, let me see, what else did they bring back? All kinds of su things, souvenirs that you'd find um, in the shops. It's a, it's a, I would say this is probably about the most fun exhibit we've had in terms of fun. Now, have you have you seen it? Have you been yes. inside there yet? Yes. What's your favorite picture that you saw? I think one of the things that it's hard to pick out your favorite because there's just so much stuff. Sometimes we have sort of stark exhibits with a few items, but this just has tons and tons of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was I was actually looking um, on a website and and it says that there are over 50 roadside attractions in Michigan. Um, and then I saw that um, under the gone but not forgotten section, East Lansing actually used to have the world's largest hairball, which I'm a little concerned. Do they get that from college kids or who put this together? <laughs> anyway, I hope not. <laughs> in interesting fact, it used to be in East Lansing, so that's something we can be proud of. Um, would you say that Michigan is a tourist state? Absolutely. Um, of course, we've got these roadside attractions, but we've got the Great Lakes. We have 12 sites around the state. Some of them are historic sites. Some of them are uh, small museums. Um, we have all the way up to the Upper Peninsula, uh, Fort Wilkins, and we have Fayette on the Garden Peninsula. And uh, we've got Walker Tavern, which is probably one of the closest, which is in Brooklyn, where you see a lot of roadside attractions along Route 12 to go there. Okay, um, and I was also looking at your website, and you have program, you have internships, and things like the music series at the museum. Can you talk a little bit about those? Yes, we're very excited about this new music program. Um, it evolved out of the service learning and civic engagement program that you have on campus, which is throughout the university. Um, students are encouraged to, in one form or another, do some kind of community service and it turned out that the College of Music had a relatively new person um, to to work on these programs and we started a whole new series on Sunday afternoons um, at the museum. The next one is this Sunday from 1.30 to 2.30 and what's neat about that is not only do the students perform um, the music but they stay around for afterwards to visit with the visitors and, and uh, share their musical experience. Okay. Um, now before I start wrapping things up, is there anything else that you'd like to add about the museum? Uh, yes, we have this wonderful internship program which we started a couple years ago. We have a relationship with about 12 different colleges and universities. We've gotten many Michigan State University students which we're just thrilled um, to have them on board. Um, we have them do working in um, more traditional areas of museum work in the exhibits or collections unit, but we also have some special programs that we started in the last year. Uh, the community programs working with transitional homeless adults, teaching them how to do oral histories um, and tell their stories through artifacts, documents, and photographs. And we also have a similar program, um, which we call this program Your Story and Mine, teaching juvenile delinquents through the Ingham County Court System and the um, 
Crossroads program sponsored by Peckham Services in Lansing. Oh, wow. And how many people are involved with those programs? In terms of the participants? Yeah. Um, we have anywhere from 10 to 18 people a semester in each of those programs. Do you get feedback about these programs? Like, does it change people's lives to be a part of something like that? I have to say, for staff and participants, it's been an extremely moving experience, and we've gone the next step. And we've partnered with Advent House Ministries, and we worked very closely with them uh, to get a grant from the Michigan Humanities Council, and the participants are going to be doing a mural about their experiences based on these stories that they've been sharing. So one of the people who was in this class for about a year who wasn't that communicative, and once she got it, what we were going to be doing with this mural program, she says, I've got a story to tell, I'm going to tell it, and I want people to hear it. And it was like, you know, the lights went on, and we were just thrilled. Mm -hmm. Well, that's great. Now, where can people go to find more information about the exhibits that are going on or the programs that the Michigan Historical Museum puts on? You, they can go to the website, see michiganhistory.org. Okay. Um, they can call on the phone. Okay. Probably just Google it. All mm -hmm. right. Well, thank you again, Martha, for coming in and talking about the Michigan Historical Museum. Thank you, Emily, so much for having me. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. Smoking Helpline. Yes, I need to start smoking right away. Excuse me? I need to start smoking. Well, actually, it's the Stop Smoking Helpline. The people in the apartment next to mine smoke three packs a day, and it drives me crazy. So I'm thinking four packs will do it. I think you want MySmokeFreeApartment.org. It gives you the information you need to work toward a smoke-free apartment building. A smoke-free building. Without all that smoking. Uh, yeah, that's right. Make your apartment smoke-free without making a stink. MySmokeFreeApartment.org. When you get up in the morning and turn on the radio, you don't want to hear those other guys talking on your way to work, do you? You don't want to hear talking. You want to hear music. So here at The Impact, we are making you a promise. We're calling it the More Music Morning's 89-second play. We, The Impact, pledge that every weekday morning from 8 to 10 a.m., we will shut up and play music. We pledge that we won't talk for more than 89 seconds at a time, meaning more music all morning long. We pledge that every caller who requests a song between 8 and 10 a.m., Monday through Friday, will be entered to win a great Impact prize. And we pledge that in return for your listening to us, we will listen to you and play more music that you want to hear. So tune into The Impact for more music mornings. Let us know what to play, and maybe you could win some cool stuff. Only here on 88.9 The Impact. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. Welcome back to Exposure. I'm your host, Emily Fox. And now I am in the studio with Kevin Pritchard and Drew Leahy to talk about the website called MyBandStock.com. So, gentlemen, can you give me a little information about what the website is about? Well, Drew, you want to field this one at first? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah I can. Um, well, MyBandStock uh, is the music revolution, and uh, it's a website where we allow fans to buy stock in a band, and bands basically raise money from their fan base to go on tour and uh, or make a record or make a music video. Do all the things that musicians need to do. 
and uh, and essentially what the fans get for investing is a copy of the record, or they get a concert, you know, ticket of the, a concert ticket, um, or you get a part of the music video, and you also become kind of an ex- uh, into an exclusive fan club, if you will, with the band, a subscription to the band. It's what separates. It separates the fans from like your regular fans that just kind of show up to your shows and support you the way they can from your real diehard, dedicated fans that are willing to go that extra mile to support your music. Now, how long have you guys been around for? Uh, we launched actually last Friday. <laughs> yeah. So. Last Friday. Yes. This, is, this is fresh. Wow. Yeah. We had uh, nine bands sign up in the first week. It was really exciting. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I was looking at your website and you have quite the staff. Your co-creator owns his own publishing company and recently has a song featured on uh, CSI, Smallville, <laughs> Ghost Whisperer, One Tree Hill, Scrubs, um, Queer as Folk, and your architecture developer um, developed a B1 code which um, uses machine learning techniques for Domino's Pizza. I'm not exactly sure what that means, but it's kind of impressive sounding. Well, he's a nuclear engineer, yeah, he, so he just kind of does okay. everything on... We just try and sort out what he says, because he's essentially one of the smartest people okay. of all time. But, but that's not all, because your uh, VP of Promotions worked at Virgin Records in New York, where he successfully <laughs> predicted music trends and triple departmental sales and promotions. Sounds horrible. And oh. he also also DJed at the store, and your co-owner recorded, produced, and produced the music for Grammy and Tony-winning musical Spamalot. And so that's quite a team, and you guys put this together. I mean, it's, yeah. it's finalized last Friday, and you already have bands set up to, ready to go. Yep. Well, this has been in the works for quite some time. We didn't come up with this idea two weeks ago and then right. call these people up <laughs> well, and be like... Well, that's what I expect. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long, long process to get the, all these people on the same page, and very complicated. It's really weird not having an office or having a central location. It's, I mean, organizing it all. And you so, guys, are you all from Michigan? Or are you from all over the U.S.? Or? Um, well, the uh, some of the co-creators you just spoke of, they're from Los Angeles and Phoenix. Um, and uh, But the company is run out of Michigan with um, basically students and music business professionals and web developers, graphic designers from Michigan. And what made you come up with the idea for buying stock in a band and making this it was, website completely it's, decades? It's the classic American it. dream. I was <laughs> Drew was out at his internship in L.A. at a recording studio, and I had some time over the summer, so I went out to visit him. And we were walking around the beaches of Long Beach. <laughs> like, I know, the American dream, right? Mm-hmm. And the idea just, like, came out of nowhere. I don't even really remember who came up with it at this point, but cool. it was... Kevin, I mean, Kevin came up with it, and we brought it to our, uh, we brought it to Evan Frankfurt, and I was like, yo, what, you know, what if we could buy stock in a band? And we kind of ran through a couple scenarios, and he called me later that night and was like, I can't stop thinking about yeah. it. Like, I remember exactly where I was when he called me because, it, like, it really changed, like, my life and our life and everyone that's involved in the project. And so we got together and we started rolling with it, so. So none of these bands are under a record label, it's just completely independent? Correct. Correct. Okay. Yep. Do you think this hinders bands to not be under a, a label? It actually pushes them to have a label actually understand what type of sales they make, what kind of impact they make on their market. If anything, it actually puts a band in a better position when they sit down to a record label to say, mm-hmm. here's what I've done, here's who I've impacted, and this is where I want to go. Yeah, um, we, we've realized our market position is not to completely relate, replace the function of the record label. 
But if we need to be a tool for bands to help take themselves to the next level, then we can be that tool for them. They have these hard numbers that all the other online sites don't have. What's a play on MySpace worth? But if you have that one fan that was willing to put their hard-earned money into the band, that says way more than some guy who just stopped by the site and clicked play one time. So We do have, I mean, actually, we don't even have an incorporated plays under the website. But it's, it's actually going to be one of those things that we're going to have a lot of different tools and ways to measure, like, fanship and, like, mm-hmm. Like ways for fans to get involved on the website. That's not just monetary. It's they can join the band street team on my band stock and get more shares, or they can do certain things in order, you know, re- respond to concerts, yep, attend shows, stuff yeah. like that, um, in order to increase the amount of shares they have in in a band. And so my classic example is, is, well, what if you invested in a band? Like, what if you invested in Fall Out Boy before they were huge? When they came to town, mm-hmm. you would be in the front seat every single time. Fall Out Boy would know you were there for yeah. them since the ground floor, they and they name. could take special care of you because you were there since day one. Yep. So you have how many bands, again, on your website currently? Well, right now we have five. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in a band, and as well as uh, one of the other guys who's our corporate strategy guy, uh, my band's called The Promenade, um, and it actually has Jason Spencer and Mike, or I'm sorry, Drew Rambo from here in Lansing. Okay, um, I know Drew. Yeah, you know Drew Rambo? Yeah, yeah. The giant? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's the man. Uh, we're in a band together called The Promenade, and we it's like one of the things where it's like, well, we're on the website, we're proving the concept too, so mm-hmm. that... Because I know I can do it, so like I have no problem with it. So if someone can't sit down and say, eh, this, what concept doesn't work, this concept doesn't work, I'll be like... Actually, it does. And that's what we feel separates our whole corporate team that we've assembled and everybody that we've been working with is we're all musicians, too. This is not just some plot to take over the music industry. Or like just we're doing it because money as a 45 yeah, year old. We, we believe that this model can work because we've been a part of the music scene for a long time now. And it just it seemed like this is where everything was going with the way the uh, people are able to connect with each other in ways that were not possible before. Like this model, like this wasn't possible to pull off 20 years ago, but yeah. it is now with the way things. To get back to your question, Mydra Disco is one of oh, our yeah. bands. They just played at Harper's last week and just blew it up. I mean, everyone loved it. Harper's is it a really great venue. They treated us and Mydra Disco really well, and fans there just loved it. Uh, we also have a band called Soul Dub, who's from Heartland, uh, and they're actually playing this Thursday at the, at, uh, the Blind Pig in Ann Arbor. Um, and we also have uh, Lightning Love, which is an indie band from Ann Arbor who's really, really great as well. And so, what, what genres? Multi-genre. Okay. We don't, we're we trying don't, to not get limited we try by to a be, genre right uh, We try to be transparent as far as genres go. Um, it is called my band stock, but the whole idea is that it's groups of musicians. It's Whether it's a hip-hop group or a rock group or a country group, Like if you talk to your fans and music. you make t-shirts and make music, like you can use this website as a tool for you. Okay. So I'm going to give you a few examples of artists who yes, are yes. being independent with their sales, um, kind of doing the same things you guys are doing this regarding networking um, with their fans. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give you three examples and um, tell me what ideas are new to you and which ones you have already incorporated with your website. Mm-hmm. Okay, the first um, is a singer-songwriter called Jill Sobiel. And she has already recorded six albums from four different record labels. But last November, she went solo. And she put up a website and asked for donations. And if people donated, they received a CD and a thank you gift. Um, Some things within the thank you gifts could be T-shirts. Or she would write theme songs for contributors who perform. Or she would even perform in house concerts for the people who donated. And the prize that went to the highest contributor 
was the chance to sing a duet mm. with the actual songwriter. We actually used what she did as like yeah, one of our basis to okay. say, oh, wow, people can actually this, do that. This yeah. works. This model yeah. actually um, works. And what she did is she came up with a list of, how on our website, it's called Perks and Contribution mm-hmm. Levels, which is if you give X, you get this and this and this. If you give 25, you know, if you give certain levels of investment come with certain perks that you get. So we took that idea and like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, you give, you know, over a grand and you can, you know, play a party or whatever. Like, that's it's really up, It's totally up to the band, too. The band can set it up however they want, and we're simply there to make sure that the band fulfills these obligations. The reason that she could do that was, A, because she's an excellent musician and networker, yeah. and she could put up a website because she's been on record labels. She has all the, ta- you know, she has all the contacts. She has the industry resources at her fingertips. So for her to make a website and go, oh, I want to raise money, like, super easy. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's great that she could do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the reality is that there are, there are a lot of bands that seek the community, that seek... Um, our resources, our, you know, our contacts, and can seek our expertise in getting to the next level in the industry. That's a great question. Wow. Right, awesome. I, Call it up. I have two more examples. For this you. is awesome. Maybe okay. we'll, get, we'll get some new ideas here. Let's <laughs> okay. we'll hope for it. Okay. In 2007, Maria Schneider's jazz album Sky Blue was a, won a Grammy Award despite never being sold in stores. Uh, Schneider's label, Artist Share, is based on fans contributing money to recording projects. In turn, they get a CD. They get to watch the project evolve through videos and blog posting on the website. And if you give enough money, fans get a chance to hang out with the band and come to the studio and watch the band actually record what they're contributing to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of these are inspiration for the ideas that we want to incorporate on the site. Like As we stand right now, we can't do a lot of this from where we're at, but this is all part of the dream. It's we can, as time goes on, we can always add features to the site. And video blogs has been a big thing that we really want to get going. Like, hey, just checking in with my fan base. Thanks for investing in me. This is where I'm at on my tour. Like, mm-hmm. just Art- the update like that is really going to help us out. Artist Share, actually, it's kind of sad. Artist Share was in like the dot com boom, kind of towards the end of it. Mm-hmm. And they received a lot of money, blah, blah, blah. But they didn't have, like, a lot of the resources weren't available. Like, this, like MySpace and Facebook weren't even around when they first bubbled up. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, now the way that teens and you know young twenty somethings and even up into thirties utilize social networks and communities, um, we have that aspect of my band stock, which mm-hmm. is artist artist share didn't have. Um, and uh, the idea didn't really exist back then. I mean, social yeah. networking was a brand new thing when that came out. It was, yeah. it, it was you, social networking was like a very hard thing to actually get at. You know, mm-hmm. it was email that you dialed. You know, um, and uh, so. Um, yeah, actually, that's a company that like I I think that we definitely need to learn from a little bit more of what you know why every like why doesn't everyone know about that like I don't understand that yeah. you know why didn't everyone know about that when they hit in two thousand one was it a marketing thing mm-hmm. um, I'm not really sure okay my last one <laughs> uh, Danita Sparks who used to front the popular grunge band L Seven put out her CD with no backing from a label and formed a company called Cash or coalition of artists and stakeholders in which fans invest in sync rights to one of her songs, which means that if songs get picked up on a commercial or a TV show or any kind of commercial use, the fan who invested um, in that song gets to share in the profits uh-huh. whenever it's like on a commercial. Uh-huh. So they actually would be making money mm-hmm. in the long run. That's an interesting one. That's an interesting one. That was the idea. That, that was the whole idea that sparked this, too, is mm-hmm. if I invested in this band on this day, I can get this much return on my investment. And the more we looked into it, it's just a disaster legally to try and pull that off. Really? Like, 
the SEC comes down hard on you for forming a stock market without their approval. So mm-hmm. it, it would be very, very complicated legally to pull that off. I'm interested yeah. as to how they did that. We yeah. should actually or look maybe it was just overlooked. But if you have over 500 quote unquote shareholders in your company, which is people that invest yeah. money and then are expecting some type of monetary return out, yeah. in a large majority of the states, you're not allowed to have more than 500 investors in your company unless you're um, registered Under, nationally with yeah. the SEC. And, uh, so, interestingly enough, like we just saw Facebook, um, they have more than 500 in- investors now, but they had to apply to the SEC to say it's okay for us to exist because mm-hmm. um, some of, the, of our quote-unquote investors are actually empl- actual employees in the company, therefore they're involved with all of our internal processes. So, the SEC is a very big, like... You don't want to cross not, them. We don't want to mess with uh, type person. So we did a lot. We had to do a lot of research and figured out that that wasn't the best model for us mm-hmm. for for the growth that we want to see. Okay. What do you think are the most popular music networking um, websites out there right now? Uh, MySpace, Facebook, and Last.fm. Probably. Actually, actually, Last.fm is probably above Facebook. Facebook is a hard tool to use for music because they haven't really. They haven't really been able to attack it like MySpace has. Like MySpace from the beginning was for musicians. So. Yeah, Pure Volume had some momentum for a while there, but they've really fallen off. I feel over the last mm-hmm. couple of years. But MySpace is still king mm-hmm. of the king of the heap for sure. What are your visions for this website? Things that you really want to work on. Let's see. <laughs> I know you guys just started. That's okay. Well, no, no, it's good. We, we started just, with the vision was the start. It's just. Uh, my vision for the website is that is to create hope for someone who like can who wants to work really hard for their success. Um, a record label doesn't care how hard you work if you can't like put up in some insane amount of numbers mm-hmm. or have some insane different sound or something like that. I think the website exists to to make dreams happen is like mm-hmm. cheesy as that sounds, but it's like you know what I can if I can get people behind my music, I can go somewhere. And if I can get people to care mm-hmm. and I can get people to say, yeah, I think you're great, you know, like I want to see you play at, at the Palace of Auburn Hills. That's why I created this website. Mm-hmm. Um, it's exactly personally. it's exactly right. We're we're idealists at heart. Like, yeah, we want this to work financially and we have all that in mind. But the reason I didn't want it to be a part of this is I want music to be art again. Like, I feel like music really got tainted somewhere along the line with money and a, a lot of our steered clear of it but music kind of got mixed up with making money in a way that i think did it more harm than good and i feel like this kind of gets back to a more pure model that if you have the fans then you're you're proven like you don't need to reach this goal financial goal that some record company has set for you you can make music for how you want to make it and um actually our our chief marketing officer brennan haas said it today really well um, he, he's posting his blog about on our um, our mm-hmm. blog blog.mybandstock.com where we basically pour our hearts out about why we think this <laughs> yeah. website is cool and like how we can like change the music industry. And he said, you know, it's he, we want to change it from who you know to who you reach. Um, mm-hmm. How do you reach people? How do you extend your reach? It's not about oh I know the manager of Queen or oh I know mm-hmm. you know this guy who can do this for me. It's about who you reach and you have in working. To get to who you reach, because that's how you get to the next level. That's how you really prove yourself to the world. 
So through since the website has only been up, has it only been up for about a week now? A week yep. and three, week. four days. Yeah, week yeah. and four days. I mean, are people right going on there buying shares? Like people that you don't even you mm-hmm. never knew existed yeah, before? Yeah, it's weird. I, I will, I'll look at one of the bands. I'll be yeah. like, oh wow, like I don't that's know who that person is, and here they are existing and writing on the stage. You know, that's really fascinating. Yeah, I was hanging with a guitar player from Farewell Republic, and he logged onto the site. Like this is the day after our launch, and goes, oh. I have a fan in Ohio. <laughs> like, who is that? That's a, who is that guy? I gotta find him and like thank him for taking care of us. Like, who knew? You know? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, a band is nothing without the people that listen to them. I mm-hmm. mean, if you want to make music in your garage, that's nice. But you know, there's a difference between mm-hmm. just making music and expecting people to play and actually having people say like, "I love your music. I listen to it in my car every day." Right. Now, Kevin, going back to your point, you saying music kind of got away from the art and became kind of like this, like, financial thing. Mm -hmm. And on your website, it says, we circumvent the rule of the record label and streamline the wasteful, bank-like nature of traditional record financing by allowing fans to finance their favorite artist. Mm -hmm. So explain the process. Like, how does, I guess, being under a label um, become, quote, wasteful and bank-like? Okay. Well, first of all, when you sign a record deal, a majority of the time, you start out in debt. You start mm-hmm. out owing the record label at the end of the day. People think it's awesome when they sign a record deal, when it's like, awesome, I owe 75 Yeah, they don't actually read the details of the record deal that they've signed. Well, they do, gets... but they think of it in a different way. They think of it as, oh, I made it, not, oh, I'm $125,000 mm-hmm. in, in debt that I have to make up now. Which is cool if you can actually do that, but... The percentage of bands that can actually recoup the funds and actually sell records and actually do well on tour and actually get all that is few and far in between. Um, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no. I just got all passionate about that. You're always <laughs> getting all passionate. So what were the other ones that were bank-like nature? Yeah. It's they invest in a large or they get to pick the number of bands that they think will be successful. So they only pick bands that they think are financially viable. So that so that alters the way that bands present themselves. They're going to present themselves in ways that they feel like record labels will pick them up. And the fact that they've changed the way that they're acting, I think, gets away from what music should be. I think music should be expression. It's just like any other art form. And the fact that it's based on investment and returns on investment and things like, like that, it just doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Like, and although, It's very... Yeah, and although my band stock is based on money and investing and all that stuff, it's the mindset is, I'm supporting someone. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm getting it's a support. t-shirt. I'm getting a CD when they're it's done. Not, like, this is cool. It's not like... You know, I'm going to be making 50 bucks if they sell 300 CDs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. I mean, that's not even realistic, but I mean, <laughs> the idea is different. And, um, you know, a band makes themselves marketable. I don't tell a band how to be more marketable, like, because I'm just stepping on toes. And, like, mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, you can be a tastemaker, and that's cool because being a tastemaker is really important. And, like, some people, like, actually, what's funny about me is I don't. I don't actually go out and seek new music. People usually tell me like, "Oh, this band is good. This band is good." You know, and that's cool because like I personally, I don't. I just something I just don't do is like go out and like seek new music. I hear it from other people who do that. You know, do that. And so for me, if I could just invest in a band that I thought someone told me was really cool, is is great. You mm-hmm. know, or even go by the city. Word of mouth. So I think if some people were to hear about this website, okay, um, these people aren't under a record label, you know, they're just, they're coming up with this alternative way to, I guess, make it big. But yet, you guys are talking about the band My Dear Disco that just performed at Harper's, 
and um, I actually listened to some of their stuff on your website, and I really liked it. Um, and actually, American Eagles, New American Music Union, named My Dear Disco one of the most promising college bands in mm. the country last year. So it's not like these bands are just nobodies. Like, they're legitimate well, it's bands. It's bands that have decided to control their own futures, the bands that we really want to help out. Because there's some bands where all they want is to get that record deal and they consider that making it and we're going to try and change their perception eventually but right now or the, it'll, it will it will change it, will, it on its own yeah that's true exactly yeah we're not either. we shouldn't have to do that we should be able to just show people that support model works but bands that really want to control their own future like my dear disco fit so well into our model which is whether an excellent fit. And I'm very the thing glad is, is we sit board. here and we talk about record labels, blah blah blah. I mean, there are good deals out there and there are bad deals. There mm-hmm. just happens to be a lot more bad deals than good deals. If a band was on our website for two years, cultivated a fan base, and either a record label approached them or we took them to a record label and mm-hmm. said, "This is why you should sign this band." It enables them to um, get a better deal. Like it increases the chances that they're actually going to get a good deal. Exactly because they have clout. They have reasons why they should be on the record label. They have reasons to say why someone should invest in them. I mean, look, someone could come and invest in this company for some horrible amount of money and take a really huge percentage of the company but like that wouldn't help that wouldn't like really like that couldn't there'd be a lot of bad things that would come along with that um and uh i mean that's the same thing with the band like someone could come along and hand a band a record deal but it might not be the best thing for them at that point in time so okay well you guys are obviously very passionate about music (laughs) so what what has been your experience with music i mean are you guys have you guys produced music are you guys in bands like what is what is your your experience leading up to this point well uh, (laughs) kevin and i started a record label with our friend dave suhanik who's my best friend uh in high school my best friend what are you talking about (laughs) we started a record label in high school we also have always written music and played in bands Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm the lead singer in the promenade um i'm also a producer of my own like uh, studio and and branding kind of association, uh, and I'm also really getting into managing bands now. So like yeah, the art deal. side and the business side and like communicating with fans, like you know that's kind of like my um, that's my like what I've been doing for the past yeah. five years. Exactly. That's it. It's funny. We have like the same backstory. Like we played in a band in high school, started this record label to try. And, or I guess it was more a couple just bands. A, yeah, a couple oh. bands, and that was all right. Yeah. And then we went through with the whole recording aspect of it, and we both still do that in our as our side projects. But I mean, we're kind of both back to music at this point too. I'm playing in a band called Loon right now, who Dave Simonic is actually a member of. So drop him again. And Sean Adams. And Sean Adams and, and Rick Hale. All and all Michigan, Michigan State. Michigan State kids. So oh, very nice. Mm-hmm. So is there anything else that you want to add before I start wrapping things up? Um, I love my mom. What else? Yeah, I love my mom too. That's great. Our moms are great. Our moms come out came out to our launch party with our with their like t shirts on. My parents are out until all their, pa- yeah. all their friends. And <laughs> my stuff. parents are out until one in the morning hanging out with my friends, and I'm just like, you guys, are like, this is great. You guys are awesome. <laughs> we had a, yeah, we had a great launch party. We had a great turnout at Harper's. Uh, we're having another show um, that we're sponsoring at the Blind Pig on Thursday. It's two uh, days. It's just, yep, two days. It's overwhelming the the response that people have. Um, we've been sitting down <laughs> with some people about taking on uh, investment in the company as well as like business advisors and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it's hard because we're like we're super passionate about it. And we think it's great, and you know people are really interested in the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're just trying to figure out um, how we're going to make money off the idea because it's pretty uh, it's a pretty selfless thing that, that we've mm-hmm. been doing for the past year and for the next eight months. We're not going to be making money on this <laughs> at all. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm making nothing right now. Um, we're building yeah. the value of this company. Nothing. We're building our customer base, um, and the website is based on a lot of people being on the website and using it, which is fine. Mm-hmm. We just have to get it to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But uh, we're just working for the music revolution. That's what we yeah. do. That's that's exactly right. We're not. If you, you, you want to help out, like, like let me know. Yeah, <laughs> if you want to, like, people. you can buy us groceries. Like, we're pretty hungry. <laughs> like, whatever it takes. Like, have us on here more. That's fine with me. <laughs> and and again, the website is mybandstock.com, in which people buy stock in a band and support that way. My band stock. We uh, it's no, I'm not even going to go into it. <laughs> you know, just it's a we're trying to. <laughs> I'm trying to start like this new like this new culture of like the way that you support businesses. We also own mysportstock.com, my Broadway stock, my movie stock, <laughs> and it's all under my stock enterprises. So like the pending. whole idea is like, look, if you like this Broadway musical, you know. Invest in the Broadway musical. If you like this sports team, like invest in it and get tickets and like it just makes sense. Like the mm-hmm. internet is there. People need to start using it right. Yeah, like the there's all these old companies there. that don't know what they're doing. They don't know how to use the internet. They're like, what's MySpace? You know, Hugpets. people use com it. Turn out, by the way. What's that? <laughs> so what's that? I said Hugpets.com. Yeah, turn out, you know, or, like uh, or dog food. Like, why would you order dog food online? Like, it's yeah. horrible. Anyways, I hope we're not one of the the bit, like my band stock is one of those like the listing is of like oh man this this company like what were they thinking? <laughs> but I don't think that's gonna happen. So. so for listeners that want to check it out, it's again it's mybandstock.com. And again, I'm here with Drew Leahy, the president of mybandstock.com, and Kevin Pitcher, who is the founder. Thank you very much, guys, for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. This is great. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. Attention shoppers, if anyone is missing a rather plump set of love handles, please come to the customer service counter and claim them. The Apple love handles were lost in the produce department where their former owner had purchased fruits and veggies to munch on during the big game. Thank you and have a good day. Small step number 81, snack on fruits and veggies. It's just one of the many small steps you can take to get healthy. Learn more at www.smallstep.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Saturday nights from 8 p.m. until 2 a.m., tune into the cultural vibe to hear the best in both local and national hip-hop, plus live mixing on the ones and twos. Only on Impact Prime Time. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. Welcome back to Exposure. I'm your host, Emily Fox, and here I'm with Chris and Tyler. The, um, they are MSU hospitality business students who um, are here to talk about the Vegas night at the Breslin Center this Friday. So, gentlemen, how would you describe the Vegas night that's coming up this Friday? What can people expect? Well, you can expect a lot of fun, and you can expect a lot of chances to make a lot of money. Um, This is an event that's run by 13 hospitality business students with over 150 uh, volunteers, and uh, those volunteers uh, consist of uh, dealers in blackjack, poker, roulette, bingo, money, wheel, and craps. And uh, we also have a 100-person poker tournament with a payout of $600. So if you have a tournament like that, you know, um, that's always a good time to have. Um, now, why, why a Vegas night? I mean, business majors and gambling. What, what made you put those two together? Um, it's a very growing uh, industry in the hospitality 
um, a lot of people uh, focus their interest in it. Like I know for a fact that that's the genre that I want to go into in the hospitality industry. And um, basically, it just combines the financial aspects of you know running a company, and it turns it into a lot of fun too. Everybody that comes uh, will have a lot of will have a lot of fun. Okay. And is this event targeted towards, like, gaming and event planning type majors, or is this open to everyone? It's open to everyone. The event itself, um, this, the like, the executive board, the people who put on the actual event, uh, those it's more geared towards those who are interested in gaming and those who like event planning, because the entire thing is essentially just putting together an event as a team. Uh, you take... For example, Tyler, who has like a devout interest in the in the in the casino segment, you take him, and you take someone like uh, Lisa or myself, and we have you know we're interested in hotels. So like those two are kind of intertwined with each other, and then you can put together you know everybody's passions like in an event like Vegas night, and like another thing that makes it even more interesting is that you know you have these events through the school of hospitality business. You take people that are interested in restaurants or you know getting jobs. We have career expo, but the thing about it is the casino side is kind of like is untouched pretty much in terms of like the people that are interested in it and like having an event like Vegas Night allows us to kind of explore somewhere new and so by putting on an event like this we learn about not only like the regulations to put on an event like this but also about the casino industry which is is always pretty good. Now the Breslin Center is a pretty big venue to put on an event like this. I mean how many people are you expecting and what are the different games or uh, things that people can do while they're there? Um, well, we're hoping uh, from past experience, we're hoping anywhere from 300 to 800 people to show up. Um, we are going to um, offer, like Chris said, blackjack, craps, um, a money wheel, uh, bingo, uh, poker, and uh, it is open to the public. Anyone is more than welcome to come. You don't have to be an MSU student. Um, and uh, it's not the entire Breslin, is. it's down in, in the... Mezzanine. Mezzanine level, so it's not uh, the entire buzz we're taking over, just a good-sized portion of it. Okay. And now is this real gambling that's going to go on, or is this kind of like monopoly money? No, it's it's real gambling money. Um, a dollar gets you a dollar in chips, you know, and so, like, that's the thing that I think that makes this event really unique is that you have other casino nights uh, around campus, and, uh, you know, you walk in and you get a chip full of cu- uh, a cup full of chips, and... Um, you know, you can either win, like, a T-shirt or, like, a couple of gift cards or, you know, like a Nintendo Wii at one of them. But, you know, here you have the opportunity to win just as much as you lose. You know, and that's the exciting part about it because, you know, you're getting what you put back into it back, like, in terms of the money that you invest in it. Plus a lot more. I mean, investing $5, you could turn that into $100 here, whereas, you know, on other events you can only maybe win a raffle ticket that might get you the chance right. to get a T-shirt. Now, are you guys making profit out of this? The school makes profit out of it. Um, what we do is, like the four events, basically are we would call them basically fundra- uh, sorry fundraisers for the school of hospitality business. Like you have Le Gourmet, Career Expo, Samba Auction, and you also have Vegas Night, who who put on money for scholarships. The money goes to scholarships and and the school. Okay. Um, and now, I don't know a whole lot about gambling, but I know it's legal in some places, it's illegal in some other places. How did you jump through the hoops to make this possible that MSU students can gamble in this huge venue? Um, the only hoop that we really had to jump through uh, was actually quite simple to solve. The Michigan Lotto Commission is what we go through. Um, basically, what happens is we receive a uh, Michigan 
gaming license for the evening. Uh, we'll have it from uh, 5 till 2 uh, in the evening until the morning of January 30th uh, for the event. And basically that allows us to have uh, certain games, the only games that we're offering. Like you can't play all the games that you would see in a casino, but it does allow us to offer the games that we have at our event. Uh, also with Bingo, which is actually its own separate license as well. So we had to get the two license licenses, which then allow us to have our event. Now, um, you've done this event before, correct? Yes, this is my third year. What is it mostly MSU students that come, or is it like community members as well? Um, I'd say there is a younger crowd. Um, mostly, I'd say mostly students, but uh, and the, uh, it has been opening up more to the local alumni. Like we had sent out um, invitations to alumni, and we're you know flying Grand River, you know, so the other places that you know older, the older gen- generation can see. Now, do people have to be 18 or older in order to attend? That is the one the one catch. Uh, Michigan law states that anyone that wants to uh, gamble at a charity uh, event has to be 18 years or older. Okay. Um, now, the MSU College of Osteopathic, I hope I pronounced that right, Medicine Student Government Association, that's a long, Osteopathic, Osteopathic Medicine Student Government Association. That's the whole thing. Uh, just had a Vegas night on the 16th. And now, is there any competition between the two events? Like one that happened early this one month, one happened later. Do you try to outdo the other? I mean, well, I wouldn't say so. I mean, everyone tries to get along with everybody. Uh, I didn't even hear about it. Yeah, to be okay. yeah, to be honest. But um, but the thing is, is that we take ideas from each other. For example, earlier uh, this year or last semester, rather. Um, Shaw had their uh, casino night, and granted, you know they weren't using real money, in, you know, in terms of chips. But we did get valuable information in terms of where do we get our felts this year, how much are they going to cost, and and those are the things that we need to learn because at the end of the day, it's how much we make, but how little that we spend on getting to that point. Okay. Now I'm thinking about you have um, at casino or Vegas night you have um, poker cash tables blackjack roulette craps um, bingo a hundred seat poker tournament. Now if, if if it was someone like me who shows up I don't know how to play even poker. So what if people show up and they're kind of intimidated? They have like all these different things they can play. I mean, do you have to know what you're doing in order to participate in something like this? Well, the best the best part of that is we're actually. We actually train the dealers. They are volunteers. So just like the players that some of the players like you would show up who actually don't know how to play, the dealers themselves just learned. So they know exactly what you're going through. And to answer your question uh, even further, on the tables, uh, they'll have all the gaming rules. And you know what I mean? They can go slower for you to help somebody out like that. And for somebody who's really, really uh, intimidated by... uh, that sort of surrounding, uh, we tried adding bingo this year for somebody who just like, I don't know how to gamble, I just want to have a little fun and, you know, call out the numbers. Mm-hmm. We added bingo this year to see how, what kind of effect that would have. And what's your favorite game that you've played? Uh, I like event? poker myself. Okay. How about you, Chris? Poker. Poker? Yeah. Um, Chris, you said that you haven't done this, this event no, before. No, I've, but... I've attended it okay. before, but this is my first year in putting it up. So, Tyler, what's your favorite memory from Vegas Night? Um, I'd say definitely my freshman year. Um, we had a phenomenal e-board. We had it at the Kellogg Center. I didn't really know what to expect being a young little freshman. And just when it all came together, it was just phenomenal to watch the doors float open. We had to turn people away for the poker tournament because we had such a good turnout. It was just a lot of fun to see the event really run on all cylinders. Okay. And before I wrap things up, is there anything else that you guys want to add? Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. 
and uh, you know, come out, take the risk. It's a good rush. Okay. And uh, where can people go for inf more information? www.msuvegasnight.com, and that's one word between the dots. Okay. Well, again, thank you, Chris and Tyler, for coming in. For those who are just tuning in, I was talking with Chris and Tyler, MSU Hospitality business students, um, that were here to talk about Vegas Night, which will happen this Friday at the Breslin Center at what time? 5 p.m. 5 p.m. Okay. Thank you very much for coming in. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for listening to this evening's Exposure, only on 88.9 The Impact.